Hello and welcome to episode 195 of the Saints Score podcast, where we discuss everything going on at Southampton Football Club. Since our last podcast, last gasp away drama saw the Saints collect an away win against Hull City and a point versus Preston North End. Wayne Rooney's Birmingham City boys were feeling blue after two successive defeats heading to the South Coast and they were not able to change their fortunes at St Mary's. Southampton coasted to a 3-1 win, extending their unbeaten run in the championship to six games. To discuss it all and preview the upcoming clash against Millwall, my name's Harry Tizard, and I'm joined by Ollie Boast this week. Ollie, how are you doing? I'm feeling lonely because there's only two of us this week. It doesn't feel right, does it? It's too quiet. Jamie hasn't made a strange comment yet, and there's going to be no strange comments for the rest of the episode. So I don't know how I feel about that. but. It's a bold claim saying there's no not going to be any strange comments. Early doors, you said that all of the things we're going to say are going to be absolutely correct. But, but how have you been? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I've been uh, keeping busy with uni. I've uh, been running around all over the place. But, you know, I'm, I'm keeping well. How, how's yourself? You're growing the beard out a little bit, I see. I mean, people listening won't be able to see this. but I, I mean, sort of, sort of. It will be shaves imminently um but i've not had to for the last few days but yeah been relatively busy plenty of champions league and europa league stuff for for me to be getting on with and i've been able to see a lot of friends in the last few days and the last week as well because you came back to to southampton which was which is always nice but like you said no jamie or mikey this week and one of the panelists we've got big news coming out in the next seven days but we'll, we'll talk about that on the next podcast and obviously our main topic of conversation will center around the win over Birmingham but we cannot miss the opportunity to discuss late away winners and goalkeeping heroics in the opposition's box so whole city and Preston North End sort of smash them together Ollie what did you think of those two games well I I watched the game the last minute one and I was in a real hump about it because, yeah, we it looked like we were kind of down and out. We had so much possession, but I think previously in other games, we'd held possession and not really kind of pushed on and got that final goal. Although we've definitely been better this year, which has been nice. It feels like we've always got a little bit of a chance. But for some reason, I was in a grump and I was like, oh, we've thrown it away. This is not going to, you know, this is a, a letdown and all of this. And then Gavin Bazunu just just pops up. And I couldn't when when it first went in live, it he just kind of jumped into it and it ended up in the back of the net. And I'm off my sofa and I'm going, Oh my god, did Bazunu just score? And I don't know whether it got I don't think it got credited to him, did it? No, which is such a shame because I would love that if he got onto the the score sheet. Because oh but yeah, it's a it's sad it's sadly not his, but it's 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 his in my heart. I mean, in I think he I think he scored it, but technically if we're talking about rules then yeah no he didn't but yeah that was uh, a lovely little it was one of those ones where that last minute draw feels a bit like a win and had that a little bit of confidence going into the next one um which yeah i guess we'll talk about the Birmingham game yeah absolutely the, the couple of things that i did want to mention from the preston game in the whole city on two last minute goals additionally you know with the one against sheffield wednesday the one against plymouth norwich city where adam armstrong scored i believe a 98th minute penalty is it feeling like we're getting the goals this season i think the last couple of years it always felt like after the 80th minute we were conceding these late goals that you know hampered our chances to stay up whereas now it's going to really help us going up yeah, uh, I think it's positive play as well. We're keeping the ball. We're 
we're adding that pressure. And I think you have to remember as well, we've got a really strong squad that uh, we've sometimes looked like, especially under Hassan Hussle days, we always used to complain about how many of the, the youngsters are having to make the bench and we're not really changing games with our substitutions. But I think the depth we have in our squad does change games. I think Ryan Fraser has to be credited for the performances he's been putting in off the bench. And there's part of me that's like, I don't know whether... He, he deserves a, a start in the first team, but what he's doing off the bench is fantastic and exactly what we need. So it's almost like it's working. I almost feel a little bit like that with Che Adams as well. I think he's more effective when he does come off the bench and he seems like he does affect games when his defenders are whatever, a bit more tired and he provides that bit of energy. I think some of the, the starts that Che Adams have had have been a little bit disappointing for myself. But yeah, I think it's a combination of playing positive, keep adding that pressure and making the the opposition fall back, which will tire them out. And um, yeah, like I said, having those positive substitutions, correct substitutions and and players who do come on and have that quality to go and change games. Now, you mentioned Che Adams there. And he's someone that's been in the, the middle of all the headlines on deadline day. It seemed like he's going to be heading towards and Southampton fans were gutted because it, it was a 20-goal-a-season striker for the championship. Since then, he's not really done too much. Obviously, he came off against uh, Preston with an injury. But a couple of fans have been unhappy with his performances and you said you've been a bit frustrated as well. Do you think it's just a bad patch of form that we've seen in the Premier League with him? Or do you think he's still thinking about that move that he could have got but it felt through I think he is a little bit distracted I don't think he looks in the right headspace right now uh I don't want to say he was playing for a move but in that first few weeks of a championship he looked a level above I think I did notice that he was like this this guy is too good for the championship him and Adam Armstrong next to each other are going to be I'm going to set their their league alight and you look at Adam Armstrong he's what second top goal scorer I think um so he's he's put himself up there and he's really stamped himself on the league uh, and Chalams hasn't really done that ever since it looks like the the transfer hasn't gone through. I think his mind possibly might be elsewhere. I think the contract keeps getting brought up and you think we've got less than two months now before he can start negotiating with other teams and stuff like that. And there's kind of always the contract on the table. Is he actually going to get any more money, this and that? It doesn't seem like there's anything concrete that's coming from his camp saying that he wants to kind of commit to the team. And it's a tough one for the manager because if I'm looking at it, we know he's got the quality to be one of the top goal scorers in the league because he's done it before. But equally, there's players who are playing really well and deserve to play. And if he's not at his 100%, then I don't think you should try and shoehorn players in just for the sake of it, just because we know they have quality. I think the players that are playing well now have to play. And against Preston North End, the man that replaced him was Saku Mara. Russell Martin said over the long term, he'll be a great player for us. But since his goal against Manchester City, both in the Cup, but also the Premier League, he hasn't really been able to kick on. What do you think about him so far? Well, I know that you weren't very pleased with these substitutions because in our little internal group chat, you were like, what did you say? These these have to stop. Yeah, really the, the kind experiment of... of Mara has to stop. <laughs> Only because he hadn't really added anything I, you know I'll, I'll put my point across here that he's not mm. he doesn't excel at anything in my personal opinion I look at Adam Armstrong I think in the championship he's a fantastic finisher a brilliant presser really quick on the ball with Adam Armstrong he's uh, not Adam Armstrong with Che Adams he's quite good at holding up the ball he's come up with a few late winners it seems like he adds a bit to the team when he's fully fit when he's fully firing with Sekou Mara he's not the strongest he's not the quickest 
he's not an amazing finisher. He's okay at that. He doesn't excel at anything, which mm. just doesn't really is doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree. It, it, it seems like if it all clicked and if he if he raised everything twenty percent, then he'd be unbelievable. But yeah, I think I think sometimes players do need something. They need a they need to hone their craft and find what it is that they can provide. Um, I also think sometimes his mentality looks a little bit lackluster. He's not really you don't really see him kind of putting his all out there. I think he's a kind of very slow, controlled player, which can be good for kind of composure-wise. But then sometimes if they're not in the game, then it looks like they're just kind of playing at 50%, which I think can sometimes get really on the fans. You know, that they can kind of see that maybe the effort's not quite there. So if you are going to be quite relaxed and at a slower tempo on the pitch, you need to be at least putting the results through because if you're not, then it looks like you're just kind of, yeah, not giving your all for the team. Well, let's talk about Birmingham. John Eustace was sacked, or at least replaced as Birmingham manager. Wayne Rooney's come in after leaving DC United. It was two losses before he came to St Mary's and no goals as well. And Southampton just swept them aside 3-1. It did get a bit nervy when Jay Stansfield scored to make it 2-1. But Southampton, they didn't really lose too much of the control of the game. Ollie, what did you think about it? Ah, well, my, my housemate's girlfriend supports Birmingham. So we actually, we had it on in two different rooms. So they were upstairs, we were downstairs. And um, it was quite funny because it was on Sky, wasn't it? Yeah. And you could you could hear whenever we were celebrated downstairs and they were not very pleased upstairs. So um, yeah, well, we had a little chat before the game and I had actually had an opportunity to talk to a Birmingham fan about this managerial change and my thinking was there must be something behind the scenes and the the Birmingham fans must at least know something no they're just as clueless they don't understand why they're doing this either so it's clearly just from the higher-ups who think this is a good idea and yeah it, it seems such a strange decision I think everyone said it's such a strange this isn't a new opinion by me but it's so bizarre uh to 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 kind of yeah to bring him bring Rooney in just for kind of the name and his Oh, I don't even know. I want to. I want to quote them on it, but it's kind of like their stature or something. It's like you had a good manager who's getting you good results, and I would be very surprised, or it would take a long time, I think, for the players to buy into Rooney, considering how well they were playing under the previous manager. I think it's kind of like the the stepdad coming in kind of thing. They're like, they no, we like the old manager. You you know, come on, impress us, kind of thing. And they've just gone and lost three in a row now. So, yeah, tough times for Birmingham. And I think we really took advantage because I think they did look a little bit disjointed out of place and we kind of put them away quite nicely, which I think is pretty good. Well, four changes from the draw in the week. And one of the people that a lot of people expected to be dropped back onto the bench was James Bree. He got his second consecutive start at left back, making sure that Walker Peters you know, does his best at the right back position because he's been fantastic so far. Do you think that's a big plus point from Russell Marston? It feels like if a player's played well in the previous game, even if someone's come back from a long injury or, or a suspension, he will keep the faith and he's he's using his squad to the best that he can. Yeah, definitely. I, I was thinking about it as well because I don't know if you've seen the Jack Stevens training videos. And at the start of the season, we were saying how fantastic Jack Stevens is going to be in the in the championship, but I think our defence is looking 
pretty strong at the moment and there's a lot of competition there but it just means when we have midweek games which will come up especially around Christmas we have quality that can go straight back into our 11 and you know Jamesbury was uh in the you know one of the top performers before we signed him and he was one of uh Nathan Jones's favorites that's why that's why he came in but he knows the league um I think he probably didn't come straight into the team because like you say there's there's tough competition there and I don't know whether he's as natural to kind of the possession style as others on the team I think he does sometimes look a little bit uncomfortable but then again Jan Benarak looks a little bit uncomfortable playing out from the back and I think some players just take a little bit of time to get used to it um but he's got a lovely cross lovely delivery into the box especially if you're playing it into someone like Che Adams and um yeah I I think he's a, a good defender as well so I'm I'm happy to see him in I think it's just another string to our bow another quality player to have around the side and if we've got the potential for him to to come in and help us out then it's only a benefit isn't it well we were completely dominant in the first 10 minutes Birmingham couldn't get outside of their half and it was only a matter of time since the Saints were going to score I mean it's a long time since I've said that I must say but Taylor Highwood Bellis headed in after a short corner Adam Armstrong's cross was delightful I think the the saying that you know, strikers are really good at crosses because they know exactly where they want the ball to be. Rang true right there. What did you think of the goal? But also Taylor Harwood Bellis himself. It's, it felt like he had a bit of a slow start to a Saints career. Maybe a big reason for that is his two first games were against Ipswich and Leicester City, and he was thrown straight into it. But what have you made of him? Yeah, well, first of all, it's like you said, it's a brilliant cross, and I think the goal comes from the cross because they basically, uh, yeah, Adam Armstrong just put it on his head and. Uh, pretty much open goal keepers backtracking bang back of the net uh, and all the nerves suddenly drop don't they as soon as that goal comes goes in so yeah I think it's great for him personally as well getting that that first goal for the side and kind of yeah having that real kind of physical output like oh I've provided to the team but yeah like you said I think a little bit of a shaky start I can think of a couple mistakes uh, at the start of the season but I think he's looked strong I think he's looked secured he He's comfortable playing out the back. Um, and I think he's, again, that experience, championship experience does go such a long way. And I think it will go when the games come thick and fast as well. Um, so, yeah, I've been really impressed. I think he's I think he's a, a quality player and uh, I really want to kind of keep him sticking around, make sure he's fit. I was really worried, you know, in uh, international duty when there was whispers of him being injured and whatever he was, how long he was going to be out for. I was really worried and I think that's such a credit to him because that's a big player that comes out the side if he is injured for a while, especially with Stevens coming back to fitness, but not quite yet. So, um, yeah, I hope he stays fit and continues the performances because, yeah, personally, I think he's, he's doing great so far. Now, the Daily Echo, those quotes that came out saying that if we go up, he would absolutely love to stay. And I saw small bits of criticism from pockets of the fans, you know, wondering why he said only if we go up. But can you understand that from an under-21s captain of the national side? But also, how good is it to hear that someone's already almost willing to commit their future to a team that's, you know, putting all their faith into him? Well, yeah, I, I don't think that's unreasonable at all because I think he's had two opportunities now to prove himself in the championship. Um, and I think he deserves a shot at the Premier League wherever it comes from. So that's where he wants to be next season, and that's fair enough. And if we have a player that wants to be Premier League quality and wants to prove that, again, that's fine by me. I'd rather have players with something to prove that push the club up rather than just have 
passengers who are just in there because they like the the changing rooms or whatever. It's much better to have players that want to be somewhere and want to progress. And that's what we built a lot of our models on with previous players. You think of the players that we came in, did really well with us for a couple of seasons and then moved on. And I, it seems such a perfect opportunity when we signed him. And if we are in the Premier League next season, it's a great quality player to have at the start of the season. But we have to get promoted first. Absolutely. And something that I've sort of picked out for him, it feels like he's a, a younger Jack Stevens from all those sort of behind the scenes videos or the alternative angles videos. He seems to have the same level of passion or, or outward passion. I don't you know, doubt that Jan Bednarek doesn't have the same amount of care for the club, but it's just... I just I just absolutely love to see it, to be honest. I absolutely mm. love it. 1-0 quickly became 2 and the second goal. I didn't even realise there were Saints were not on their social media. Nine players were involved in the build-up and the goal itself. Alcaraz mm. nets his first goal of the season after a delightful 1-2 between Suleimana and Armstrong. Does it feel like the tactics are slowly coming together? Yeah, well, I, I again, it's another Suleimana end product which is good. The, the, you know, that's that's what we want to see. That's what we've been questioning. And that's what we're starting to see now. Um, Alcaraz arriving late, which again, in that number 10 or number eight or wherever he'll be uh, operating, he's, he's popping up in the right place. It's a brilliant ball as well. And Sunamana just does look so dangerous. When he kind of sizes up that fullback, you can see their legs are shaking because they're thinking, oh God, this guy's going to have me on toast. He's He's on either one on one or pace wise. I think he's one of the best that I've I've kind of seen at St Mary's. He's so exciting to watch, and you kind of you think when he picks up the ball, something's going to happen. The one frustration is when he starts overplaying, when he starts trying to beat people a few too many times. Um, so yeah, if he can beat the man head up, find the pass, perfect. That's that's all we want to see. And yeah, like like. Uh, like you mentioned with Alcaraz, he's off the mark now. Um, there was, again, things that came out previously earlier in the season saying that he's kind of struggling a little bit and that's why Russell Martin hasn't been including him as much. But fingers crossed, it looks like he's he's performing better on the pitch and hopefully he's doing better off the pitch as well. Now, you mentioned how good Russell Martin's been at managing his squad so far. But with Alcaraz and Sunamana starting, I think, three of the last four games at the very least, I think there was a lot of changes at Preston, but that's because our schedule was very busy. Do you think Martin's slowly starting to find his best 11? You know, Adams, someone that's been a key player, drops the bench for a lot of it. I know he wasn't in the squad due to injury, but I feel like Alcaraz would have started anyway because of his recent performances. Do you think Martin's finding the players that he can trust? I think that was a word that he used at the start of the season, um, especially. Yeah, and... There was a lot of changes at the start of the season, wasn't there? There was three, four every single game. Um, but I also think, again, he's rewarding players that have had strong performances. And if there's been that's questions of someone, then he's got the quality to uh, to, to bring them in. So um, I think the players that have, yeah, like you say, have been trusting, but also repaid the faith that he's given them. So if there's been an opportunity for them to come in, he's kind of... Uh, they proved their point and they, they've stayed in, in the position. Because I remember there was a couple of games where people were saying, oh, Smallbone's not looking good enough in this position. But he then put in a really good performance and he's he's kind of kept his, his claim in, in that in that side now, hasn't he? So you can kind of see it all over the, the team that if you haven't been quite playing well enough, he is willing to change it. But then again, if someone does have a good performance, he wants to, he wants to keep them in and let that momentum keep flowing over to the next one. So yeah, I think he's slowly finding 
who suits the style the best, who's um, you know performing and feeling comfortable in the way that we play. And um, yeah, you, you look at the at what are we now five undefeated, I want to six, say five? six now, six, yeah, <laughs> six undefeated. And I know it's that old cliche, and I always say, oh, don't change a, a winning team, but we will have to with our, the amount of fixtures we have. But trying to keep that core, I think, is the main thing. Um, and it looks like we're doing it. Now, 1-0, a lot of the time this season, we've been quite nervy. I think we've had one of the highest rates of dropping points this season, despite the fact of the position that we're in. Obviously, we drew against Rotherham, we drew against Preston after taking the lead. But going 2-0 up in the game, do you think that really helps us impose ourselves in the fixture? Yes, I know it became 2-1 uh, a bit later in the game and things got maybe a tiny bit nervy. But going 2-0, maybe it allowed us to continue to play our natural game, knowing it was the right thing to do. Hmm. And I also think it's a mentality thing as well, because we've seen so many times where we've gone 1-0 up from winning positions. And then we had that that old monkey on our back where it was like, oh, we, we've dropped so many points from winning positions. Whereas now suddenly, I mean, two goals in 20-ish minutes. The way that I'm looking at it is one more and this game's done. And that's such a lovely feeling to have. I remember in those kind of promotion season with uh, ad kids and stuff like that, we'd have We'd have games done, 3 nil. you know, thank you very much. And then it, it just has that nice relief. All the fans can relax and, and know that we're, we're getting the three points and then on to the next game. So, yeah, I think that's something I really wanted to see. There was a couple of games, especially with the draws and the last-minute winners. It's like when we have that dominant possession, we grab a goal and then I want to see us push on for that second because it just relieves so much. Like you say, that pressure is just... it's. Uh, you don't have that nervous energy, especially I think at home as well. Um, you can kind of, there's more fans with more to lose. So sometimes you can feel uh, it's a little bit edgy. Whereas, yeah, that second goal just relaxes everyone, doesn't it? Well, we had the better of the chances before Oliver Burke smashed the side netting before a possible penalty. Bazunu goes into the back of Burke. Ollie, do you think they should have had a penalty? Uh, yes. Do you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was quick. Yeah, he's nowhere near the ball. And he's basically, I mean, that's a questionable flying knee in UFC. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, that's one of those ones where you go, thank God the uh, there's no VAR in the championship. But honestly, I think the ref has just not had the, what do you say, the nerve to call it. And maybe it's the, the absolute fortress that is St. Mary's has kind of, you know, forced them into not making a decision. So, yeah, I don't know. But I, honestly, I think the Raptors bottled it and that should definitely be a penalty because he's cleaned him out. And I don't know how, I don't know how they didn't get a penalty, to be honest. Do you think it's the luck of the draw as well? You know, with, you know, we, our first goal would have been disallowed if there's VAR, Bellis, Harwood Bellis was offside. The penalty definitely should have been a penalty at very least. You know, seeing the Stoke game where a couple of decisions went our way as well, another penalty that we could have conceded. But also, do you think that these things do cut, you know, what goes around comes around during the season, that those sort of things will go against us, you know, against Sunderham when we were 2-0 down, Ryan Manning could have had a penalty against Bradley Dak, that could have made it 2-1 and the game could have looked completely different, but we went then and lost 5-0, so maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't want to use another cliche, but I think sometimes you do make your own luck as well. I think the amount of... Um impact we had over this game we were really strong we looked in control uh I don't really think that's any excuse for Bazunu's flying knees but um in terms of the offside and stuff like that we had so much pressure on them that 
okay, even if we didn't get that initial one, I think we would have still pushed on with the momentum of the game and, and got another one potentially early as well because, yeah, we looked just so dominant and Birmingham didn't really look like they whatever they had planned didn't look like it was working. So, um, yeah, I think the offside maybe is not so much. I think, yeah, that it was just possibly a poor refereeing decision for the penalty. But, hey, I can't say anything else, but we take those. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, either side of half time, Adam Armstrong missed chances, one with his foot and one with his head. And then Birmingham, they found themselves back in the game. There's a couple of substitutions. There was a break for a possible injury as well. Then Ruddy launches it up the pitch. Jukovic heads it onto Stansfield. Kyle Walker-Peters probably could do better with his touch. He lays it straight into the path of a Fulham Loney. He was emphatic with his finish. What did you think about that goal? It kind of just popped off out of nowhere, to be honest. Like you said, it just kind of came from a long, a long punt, uh, miscontrol, and it was a good finish, wasn't it? It was, it was nicely put away. Um, so, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I don't really think I was paying attention. It just kind of came from. Uh, there's, it's a bad part of me, but at two 0 I was kind of like, yeah, we got this wrapped up. Let me go and make myself a cup of tea or something. And then, yeah, I was just kind of bang ball up, and then, then uh, yeah, it's in the back of the net. It just kind of flew out of nowhere but I have watched it back and I think yeah Walker Peters should probably do a little bit better but also he'd be one of the players that I would trust most with a touch or to try and get the ball under because he is so good with his close control and sometimes we are just human and we don't really we don't really get it right but then also I think we can kind of a lot of fans have been letting off Walker Peters because he has looked again one of our players that looks a class above in the last few games he's looked so dangerous with his his running. He's done it at the Premier League and he's done it in the Championship. He looks so good carrying the ball, being progressive with it, finding a pass, and he just knows how much to to go, if that makes sense. like He knows when to take someone on, when to get his head up and release it as well. So, um, yeah, someone who's looked to cut above, and it is an unfortunate mistake. I think it is a mistake, but I think he's given us plenty for us to kind of let him off on this one. Well, Martin's going to be having a look at this goal, so so will I. And this is the perfect situation if Mikey was here that he could delve in <laughs> and give us all the little different points. But I looked at this goal and I looked at the goal we could see against Rotherham when there was also a long break. There was a few substitutions. There was another long ball that we didn't deal with. And then they hit the back of the net. Is that maybe a concern that the same pattern repeats itself or is it just misfortune? Yeah, I mean, if it's... If it's something that's continuing to happen, then you might have to have a look at it. I don't think we are the most imposing side. I think I've always had a, a slight issue with the the size of Walker Peters and kind of getting caught on the back post. It is a potential danger we'll have, especially with the size of some of the players and the physicalities um, Yeah, in the championship. But this didn't come from a cross or anything like that. It is just a long ball and hasn't been dealt with as well. But I think the the players that we have, although they might not be the most physically imposing, um, they make up for it in technicality. So you have to make sacrifices in these things and you have to play the way that you want to play. And I think teams will come to us and think, okay, there is a, a chance of us creating chances with long balls and crosses. But as long as we think we can deal with that well enough and then get the ball down and play our game, I think we will still be successful. Um, so it's not a major worry for me. I think it would be a bit of a cause concern for the manager. But as a fan, I think 
we will get tested on on long balls and crosses. I think that's just the way it will happen in the championship. Now, they had a couple of half chances, but nothing too much to speak about. And then we scored our third goal of the game. Ryan Fraser put in a delightful cross for Odozi, who headed it down for Adam Armstrong. Do you know what? We'll look at the about, we'll look at the substitutes first. How good is it to see them making an impact? A lot of the time, they could be stropping on the bench, you know, especially Adozi and Fraser, two players that start the season quite well. Fraser, who scored against Hull City, but hasn't had a lot of chances from starting. They could easily be frustrated, but you know it, they've taken their reaction in a positive way, combined uh, and helped Adam Armstrong for the goal. Yeah, well, I've already I've already said earlier in the episode how much I've been impressed with Ryan Fraser. I think he's again an exciting player to watch. He's got that. He wants to get on the ball when he wants to run and make that defender make a decision, which I think is so good for opening up space, especially the way that we want to play. Um, he's got a lovely way to pass as well, whether that be the cross or whether that be playing a ball through as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think he's a really exciting player. We know what Adozi can do one-on-one. I think he's one of the best, again, uh, of just sizing someone up. Him and Sunamana are so dangerous taking on that player. Um, but popping up with his head this time and laying it down for um, a volley for Adam Armstrong to take. So a little bit different side of his game, but there you go. He's, yeah, he's definitely made his impact. Uh and I saw a few people seeing Aribo's praises when he came on as well. Now, I didn't see that much of him, but I don't know whether you saw anything in the highlights or whatever where you thought, oh, he's actually made a decent impact. I can't really remember. Yeah, I didn't see too much from him personally, but as long as he's having mm. a, you know, a, a positive impact or at least not a negative impact, he's someone that on the social media channels, a lot of people have given him stick. But it seems like from Russell Martin that he's a fantastic trainer, he's a fantastic squad player, someone that will go into the um, you know staple every single day and, and put everything he can into being a fantastic teammate. And I think that's all you can ask for. Because you know, only eleven people can start games at the end of the day, and if you're going to want to win the championship or come in the top two or you know get promoted from the playoffs, there's not always going to be a lot of changes because the manager's going to want to stick with the players that are doing well. So you're going to have people like Joe Rebo that are going to have to get a lot of their minutes off the bench, and the fact that he's making a positive um, you know introduction, you're not seeing a lot of bad things or, or any at all for for that for, for that matter of things. Nothing bad's coming out of Staplewood in terms of people kicking off, people getting upset, people being frustrated. I know that's maybe because it's only 14 games in and plenty of things can happen if we go on a bad run and players are getting frustrated if they're not playing and someone else in their position is. But it seems like he's doing okay. But yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that people are sort of looking at him in a positive way because we know what he can do. In the Scottish mm. League, there's plenty of people that we've picked up from there. You look at Fraser Forster, Stephen Davis, Victor Wanyama, Virgil van Dijk. He's one of the first people in terms of Joe that's not quite had the same level of impact. You know, he scored in the Europa League final. He was a key player for them. So he must have something in there that we could unlock. Um, or maybe he ha- he has to unlock himself, and hopefully during the season we able- will be able to find that. The other part of that goal was, of course, Adam Armstrong. And last season, a lot of people sighed when they saw him in the starting lineup. He wasn't necessarily a goal scorer at the top level. Maybe he can be next season if we do get there. But he's becoming the person that Martin and the fans can depend on, not just because of his finishing, but his his ability off the ball as well, the, the way that he can press, and his ability as a teammate. 
Mm. And not only his pressing, but his recovery play as well. I I mean, I think it's no secret we defend in a 4-4-2 when we don't immediately, like, immediately win over the ball. I like how quickly we do press and we kind of, it's almost like a, a suffocation the way that we press. We try and get as many players around and try and win the ball up high. But after a certain amount of time and we don't, we kind of, if the opposition are in settled possession, then we do sit in a 4-4-2. But he comes really deep and sometimes he will run straight from the defence all the way back and get behind the ball, which relieves so much pressure off the midfield and the defence as well. Um, his work rate's incredible. And um, yeah, you, you can see the that he, he works for both sides as well. Like he's he's doing brilliantly with his attacking outputs and his... The, his goal contributions but yeah like I say as well getting behind the ball and relieving pr- uh, pressure off the midfield as well I think is something that goes really um, yeah sometimes doesn't quite get noticed enough so yeah the, the work rate like that you just can't uh, it, it just means so much for the team and just having a real impact like at the start of the season I thought Che Adams was going to be our main man you can listen to our preview thing and I was like I think Che Adams is going to be one who gets this gold but Adam Armstrong's doing the defensive contributions and getting the goals as well. So he's he's doing perfectly up front. Now looking over the game, is there anyone that stood out to you? you know, we've of course talked about Adam Armstrong. We've had a look at the likes of Suleimana, Alcaraz, Harwood Bellis. So talking about that, we've basically covered everyone. So yeah. anyone that <laughs> yeah. we've not talked about, maybe Flynn Down, someone that you know, had a great start against QPR, had a 114 out of 115 passes, went a bit under the radar after that point, maybe because it was a difficult run and people were questioning him. But during this unbeaten run, it feels like he's been one of the key players. Yeah, he's also been really, really good. And it's been that uh, the manager's put his faith in him and knows the quality that he has. And you can see he's calm on position, uh, possession. He's good at recovering the ball. He's progressive when we need him to be. Uh, he's also... Yeah, like I say, that that composure is just he's got so much and he just reminds me so much of Wall Prowse. Even yeah. his even his haircut, blonde hair, swept over. It's literally like a like for like replacement. And I can't quite believe it. When sometimes you like see him on the pitch, it's kind of like a shadow of uh the Wall Prowse. So as long as he, you know, if he could if he scored three kicks like him, then that would also be nice. But I don't expect that. <laughs> um uh yeah, he's he's been again another great player that's come in, and I think a lot of players had that kind of rocky patch when we we had that tough run of fixtures, and I think a lot of fans were kind of questioning how has the recruitment been right? Are these players that are coming in are really going to get us promoted again? But I think it was a tough tough period to get over. I think a lot of players realised, okay, we aren't just going to walk this league. There are teams out there with very good quality. You look at Leicester and the amount of points they're putting up and breaking records, but you. You look at their team and I'm thinking that team could still do a job in the Premier League. I think it was just the management that was wrong. I think their midfield is probably stronger than five of the teams in the Premier Leagues. So I'm not surprised they're putting up incredible numbers and you've got teams like Ipswich, Preston have have dropped off a little bit now, but teams who have really come out the gates flying and putting up good results. But we've... We're starting to match that now, and I think we're looking comfortable in the position that we are. I think people were getting really nervy when we were in 10th or 11th, but we're still really, really early on. A couple of wins, and we've turned it round, and now we're looking we're looking in fourth. So things do, do turn around quick, and we're really building up the momentum of these these undefeated 
uh, run that we're on, which I think is the most important. Well, you've basically asked my next question, or answered my <laughs> next question, I should say. But I'll ask it anyway. Are you satisfied? Are you happy with the way the season started? I think I look at the likes of Leicester and Ipswich, which you mentioned there. Leicester, 13 wins from 14. Ipswich, 11 from 13, despite only coming up last season. They sort of make the, the situation look a lot worse than it is. Obviously, we're fourth on the table, which I think is you know reasonably good for at this point, but already 10 points behind Ipswich, we have a game in hand, and even more behind Leicester. Does their ridiculous start make it look like we've fallen well off the pace whereas really we've won 50 percent of our games only lost four in quite a bad spell and picked up some pretty decent results yeah i i, I think a good comparison is someone like leeds right now I, I think that's who i was kind of looking over our shoulders or kind of wanted to match ourselves up against because i think i i was thinking leicester were going to run away with the league even at the start of the season because they've kind of got Pep's understudy yet again to come in and play some beautiful football with some good quality players that we knew they were able to retain. So I'm not surprised Leicester at the top there. Ipswich, a little bit more surprised. But um, yeah, I think the benchmark is, can we better Leeds? They're a big club. They've just come down from the Premier League. They ha- they did have to sell quite a few players, but yet again, we did as well. We sold the most amount in... Oof, I mean, if England, if not Europe, we made so much money in the summer. <laughs> but um, we were able to bring in adequate replacements. And yeah, I, I think that's the level we've got to match up. And at the start of the season, if you said start of November 4th, are you happy with that? I'd be going, yeah, that's that's a great start, I'd say. It, there was a opportunity for this to go so wrong. I mean, if the players didn't click the... The manager really struggled to impose his style. I mean, yeah, we lost a few games in a row, but we were able to win it back and the players are happy with the way we're playing. They haven't decided to not show up for the manager. So they are getting on board. And then suddenly I'm thinking quality side, good football, fourth position. This is looking good for Russell Martin. This is what he tried to impose. He's been given the backing and we're starting to see the results now. So I think... The the fans are happy with where we are, and I think the the people who brought Russell uh, can get his name right then Russell Martin in. Uh, I think they'll be happy as well. Well, let's talk about Millwall. They're 18th in the league. They've not won in their last four. What do you think about that game going into it? I mean, it's it's a tough place to go. The Den Jamie's going, so it'd have been perfect to have his <laughs> you know preview going into it. But I'm excited to hear about his review next week. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, did you not fancy going? I was busy, unfortunately. I was uh, busy. Yeah, I considered it. But also, the price that Mill will charge for an away game. Oh, I mean, I thought 20 was plenty when we were in the Premier League. And then, are you telling me that I'm going to go pay 30 plus to go to Millwall? And feel uncomfortable for the whole afternoon because it might kick <laughs> off at any point. I, I, know, I know they're now apparently a family club, but, you know, there is still... There's history in that side. It's a it's a scary place to go. Um, so, yeah, I gave it a miss. But, I mean, good on you for going. Stay safe. But um, how do I feel about um, the, the Millwall game? I don't really know much about Millwall. I don't really know how they play. Like you said, they're winless in four games. But we lost how many in a row? Three in a row? Four in a row? I can't quite remember. Was it three? Yeah, four, but four, four bad okay. games. Yeah. Bad games. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... I don't really know. I don't really know too much about Millwall, to be honest. Well, uh, we'll I think... talk about the storyline around it then. It's okay. rumoured that Nathan Jones 
could be appointed. Whether that's before, whether that's after, I'm not too sure. Now, by the time it comes out, it'll be Thursday, so it'll be quite a tough turnaround. But didn't he take Mm. over one of our games like the day the day after he got appointed as manager and said that he's like the sort of guy that wants to be thrown straight into the defense? But what do you think about that as a possibility? Nathan Jones as Millwall manager. (laughs) I yeah, that would be unbelievable. But I would be so up for it, even more. I would love Russell Martin to shake his hand at the end of the game and we've battered them like 4-1. <laughs> it would just fill me with so much, like, I don't know, satisfaction. I can't believe that guy has the confidence to go on a tactical YouTube thing. I saw this on a couple of days ago. I could not believe my eyes. It got sent to me and it was like Nathan Jones and then above his head in big writing, Masterclass. And I, I honestly replied, I was like, which game is he talking about? Is he talking the absolute fluke, which was the City game? Surely it can't be a Saints game that he's talking about. It, it has must to be, be the losing one. It and, must and be a losing back one. In the yeah, I, that would be unbelievable. You couldn't write that sort of drama. So if it does happen, I will be, yeah, I will be there no matter what. I'll be there ready for the game and I, I, I will be praying for us to absolutely turn them over because it's weird. I don't have a... a gender against Nathan Jones that much I think it's just the arrogance that he held and then calling out the fans as well I think has really kind of left a sting on us so I kind of want I kind of want Russell Martin to prove that he's not a very good manager Uh, I just want I don't want it to be the the club that gets blamed I want him to be kind of shown up I guess and I really want Russell Martin to do that yeah I mean with Luton he did quite well maybe it'll work with Millwall as well maybe it's a similar sort of situation but is there any sort of level of nerves that if Jones is appointed this is the perfect game for him you know Millwall a sort of a club that have always been united together I feel like Nathan Jones that's sort of his philosophy to get the fans behind him even though he did a horrendous job with that at Southampton but that was his plan anyway I, yeah. I just I sort of see that only going one way if Nathan Jones is appointed that it's going to be some two nil victory for them from two <laughs> crosses they head it down and someone smashes it in at the at the near post I don't know maybe I'm just thinking of the worst possible scenario and I sort of mm. know the answer to this next question because I ask it to you every time and I know exactly what you're going to say but Ollie any changes you know the, we've got a week between this fixture. Mm. I think if it's a Saturday to Tuesday, or Saturday to Wednesday, you sort of have to make alterations here or there. But now there's a there's been a good week between fixtures. We've not we're not in the EFL Cup because we lost to Gillingham and we would have to get through a couple of rounds after that as well. But would yeah. you make any changes? No. Well, not in unless they're necessary. And then also I there is one that Russell Martin likes rewarding players who have trained really well. I don't know if you noticed that. I mean Mara's come into the side before because he's been training really well. So there might be someone who this looks really impressive in the week and comes in and that some of the substitutes looks looked good on their cameos, shall we say, and, and impacted the game. And if they combine that with a very good few days of training, Russell Martin might reward them. But for me, I think that impact that we had in the first 20 minutes pretty much killed the game and we looked really dominant. And I don't think that side deserves to change really. So for me, I'd be I'd be keeping it the same. Right, time for my favourite part of the podcast. It's score prediction time. Millwall versus Southampton. Ollie, what do you think is going to happen? I think we will win. I don't think we'll get three, but I think it will be... Do you know what? I fancy a 2-0. You said about a Nathan Jones 2-0. I'm taking a Saints 2-0. 
I'm going to go for a dramatic 3-2 victory. I think there's going to be drama everywhere. I've completely lost faith in us getting any clean sheets. I think there's been only one this season, whether it's by luck or a great goal from the opposition. We just can't seem to get them on a consistent basis. Maybe because we've got one against Stoke, we can get one anywhere. But I'll go for a dramatic 3-2 victory. Anyway, that's all we've got time for for this week's episode of the podcast. We talked about the win against Hull, the fantastic goal that wasn't a goal by Bazunu against Preston, the win <laughs> over Birmingham and previewed the game against Millwall. Remember, please leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you like to listen. And we're on TikTok as well. So if you want to see any clips from this podcast, make sure to go over there. I've been Harry Tizard and I've been joined by Ollie Boasts. Thank you very much for listening. Next week, hopefully, we'll be reviewing a big win against Mill. We'll have Jamie's review from the stadium before previewing a match against West Bromwich Albion. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 